Jonathan De Lawrence. Great through for Fuller. Fuller's beaten Larson here. And Ricardo Fuller scored for Stoke. Ten minutes to go. And it could yet be a celebratory night in the Potteries. Hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Wizards of Drivel podcast. It's a Shakespearean tragedy for Stoke as a comedy of errors gives Leicester a 2-0 win. But is the fault not in our stars, but in our management? Let's get straight into the three-word responses before I introduce uh, my co-presenters today. They are as follows. Soul-destroying dross. Winless until May. Not good enough. Picks wrong formation. Never looked close. Farewell, Glenn Johnson. No heart again. I miss Bojan. Arnie deserves better. Please drop Peter's. Wizards of Drivel, that's either a criticism or a failure to understand Twitter. Or <laughs> worse than worse than Pulis Ball, same old Stoke. Uh, it's going to be a fun podcast to, today, lads. Uh, welcome welcome back, Ben Cartwright. Thank you. I mean, those, those three-word reviews aren't scathing whatsoever. It's not like Stoke fans to sort of jump the gun and, and go... F- one way or the other completely but yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to being exactly the same for the next hour or so <laughs> and uh chris chris brummer welcome back how are you this morning a bit dejected a little bit sad and I, i'm kind of feeling like this is actually the beginning of the end if honest um Ooh. yeah yeah and, and in that way i feel kind of a bit sad about it all Right, well, uh, we'll get straight into the 2-0 defeat at Leicester City then. Uh, ben, losing at the Champions is, is no great shame, is it? No, it's not really. Um, but the way you lose is is a great shame. And, I mean, obviously they are in a great form. Apparently Craig Shakespeare has now won f- his first five games. He's the first manager, first English manager to do that, apparently, which is, I guess we should congratulate him. But it was just... I mean, the goals are just... There's so many issues with how much space we give to players outside the box. Uh, and Didi's allowed to run for as long as he wants to. And how many times have we seen that season, that this season? Um, and then, yeah, Glenn Johnson. I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about Glenn Johnson in, in quite some detail in this podcast episode. But why is he letting Vardy run in front of him there? That is such basic fallback defending, not to sort of allow... One of the... I mean, he's back on form now. I think we can all agree on that. And and, he, and if you're going to let someone like Jamie Vardy in in front of you, he's going to score. And it's a fantastic finish. Both of the goals are fantastic, but they've scored them and we looked absolutely dreadful all day. So it's not bad to lose against the champions, but it was just, there was nothing, I don't think, yesterday. Nothing. Chris, mm-hmm. what are your emotions this morning? I... <laughs> you know what I, it's just it's just sad isn't it because I mean on, on reflection it's just been the same old bloody season like I, yesterday was a dross and they scored and you just knew well that's that then that's the end of the game might as well go do something else for the rest of the day because you just you knew that Stoke weren't going to get back in it. You knew it wasn't going to be a case of Leicester are going to throw this away and we're going to come back into it. You could just see from the off that we were not in the game. And I hate to say it, but it's like there was just zero motivation. They Like, we were beaten at every single 
turn an opportunity yesterday. I think the only highlights can be an out of itch again, who God, no matter what, seems to try and drag him, drag a good performance out of the team. And he, if no one else will do it, he'll try everything on his own. He's got such a strong determination that um, that that's thank thank God for him. But I, I think the the overriding thing for me yesterday was that I, I you, you could not see Mark Hughes changing anything to get us back into that game. You knew that there was absolutely nothing that he would do that would make a blind bit of difference. And, I mean, yeah, Glenn Johnson yesterday, frustrating as hell. Eric Peters as well. Like, he's not had the, the best of seasons um, and he can't cross to save his life. There were, there was there was times yesterday where they, they, they weren't tracking the wingers back. And so it was the job of the... Um, of the centre backs to go out and mark players out wide, which it's it's basic basic defending that we're just not doing. And take nothing away from their goals; they're they're, they're lovely goals. Um, the Vardy one, God knows where we were defensively, but the first one is it's a nice goal to watch. Um, but oh, take taking uh, the, the the thing that pushed me over the edge, I think, yesterday was right. We're lumping it long. We're lumping it long, lads. It's not working, is it? Right. What should we do to change it? Let's put Peter Crouch on. That'll change everything, <laughs> won't it? Because the issue isn't, you know, the issue isn't how we're receiving the ball up long. Not that it's just not working and they've got us marked from the off. Yeah, we'll just put a taller player on. That'll solve everything. Just it, it just it stinks of tactical inept and it's bloody annoying and I'm sad I think that goes into one of the best rants we've ever had on the Wizards of Dribble podcast so I have to sort of applaud you there yeah there's there's steam coming off my laptop right now it's just pure venom from Chris um I find it very hard to disagree with any of that and the big concern for me was just how easily pace does us in and we've spoken about this before probably countless times a season. It, within five minutes, Shawcross is on a booking because Demarai Gray is quicker than them. Mm-hmm. God knows where the fullback was there and Shawcross cleans him out. <laughs> so instantly, our centre-half's centre on a booking. And that kind of just sets the tone. We're just frightened by pace. Mm-hmm. Our back four really doesn't have any pace. No. Johnson just... You, you may as well be in a different time zone to to Demarai Gray. Peters, likewise, not a pacey player. Our midfield, you've got Sobi on and out of it, who in theory are quite pacey. But what good is that when we don't have the ball and they have to track back all the time, covering for fullbacks who I think are both not good enough anymore. I don't think Johnson or Peters are good enough anymore. Allen and Whelan... They're com- they're combative, they're you know, grafty, they work hard. But likewise, if you get through them, if you get through a simple two of Allen and uh, Whelan, you just pass it through those lines. You- you're on easy street. And up top, Berahino. I'll I'll wait until next season to fully judge him, but I am worried about Berahino. And likewise, Walters. That none of them scream right. We're going to move the ball up the pitch quickly. We're going to use Onatovic and Sobi's strength and, you know, get players up to support them. 
were just plodding around aimlessly. And I don't think Leicester had to work that hard to beat us. I know Crouch missed a couple of really good chances where he really should have scored. But the fact that we're so easily undone says to me that Mark Hughes is just get, getting too much wrong. What in, I'm, I think it's officially the end of Ginelli and Bueller because if that game was crying out for him, he was crying out for someone who can put his foot on the ball, take his game to the opposition. He didn't do that. He decided to bring Charlie Adam on and persist with a tactic that wasn't working in the first place. Um. So Gianelli and Bueller's good games have been forgotten, and he's just become this like twenty million joke around uh, Mark Hughes's neck. Uh, so that's a failure. The failure to, as I said, inject any pace. That's a failure. Um, just the the lack of motivation. When have we come behind from behind to get anything this season? Very very rarely. So I think that kind of lack of motivation, as you said, Chris, is a failure. And just the the sheer lack of creativity. Where the hell's our number 10? Mm-hmm. He's always in Mainz. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. It, well, th- this is what I, I'm, I was alluding to when I said I feel like it's the, the end of an era because I think yesterday um, was a day where for quite a few Stoke fans... Um, to use the, the the term that you hear in TV, Mark Hughes jumped the shark. You know, he that was that was mm. that was the point where, for a lot of Stoke fans, I feel yesterday, right, it's gone too far now. And there was the talk that there was the first rumours of um, anti-Hughes chants in the stand and that type of thing. I think, again, I'm not, I'm. I refuse to get down into this, you know, venomous Hughes out. Like, change my my Twitter name to hashtag Hughes out and everything. I'm not. I'm not. I, I don't want to to ever get to that stage. But it. I cannot see. I cannot see how Mark Hughes can turn this around. And what's if he stays? What happens in the summer is a complete overhaul of the squad. We lose players who have been signed to take us up the next level. I refuse to believe that Gianelli Mbula is not a good player. He has been handled poorly. If you watch him at Marseille, he was not a bad player. You know, it's about the management. There's a reason why he got a big money uh, money deal to uh, Porto. And yeah, granted it didn't work out for him there and that's why we got him. He needs to be managed better. Mark Hughes is not managing this situation well. Just like Bojan's not been managed well, Shakiri is dead. <laughs> it's, it's, but this is the thing, I would, I would much rather um, Mark Hughes go in the summer and we get someone in who can manage this team better than for a wholesale change of the squad and us almost setting the reset button on Project Mark Hughes while he buys in more players of, and, and still relies on Charlie Adam and Peter Crouch for another season. Again, that's not an insult to Peter Crouch and Charlie Adam, but they'll be another season older. They're clearly not the solution, but we're, we're still relying on players from a Tony Pulis era. And it, it's annoying because here was me hoping for this bold, brave new Stoke and... 
we we are in danger of finishing as low, like you know, in the bottom half of the table. Which, yeah, on the grand scheme of things, it's not us losing to Gillingham, is it? But like, it's it's still annoying when we're supposed to be progressing, and I don't think Peter Coates will stand for it. I think I think the issue is. You mentioned, I mean, we've talked about this so often, really, but it looks like Glenn Johnson. It's just been one too many seasons for him. It looks like his legs are completely gone. I don't know. I would love someone um, to count how many times he was caught out of position yesterday because every time it sort of Leicester went on an attack, it seemed like Glenn Johnson was nowhere to be seen. So if someone can do that for me, literally tweet me the answer. Um, and, and and these issues have been bubbling away for ages and it, and it could happen with Charlie Adam and Peter Crouch they might be able to sort of salvage something at the moment I mean can they do that I don't think so some people do but next season if we're going to re- rely on them their legs could go as well They've, they're at an age where next season it just it changes I think that's happened with, with Glenn Johnson this season and Eric Peters it, it seems like from a whole life really Stoke have been rubbish at signing fullbacks. We had Glenn Johnson, obviously, and <laughs> Eric Peters come in, and they were great for a while. But there's no sort of, there's no like looking forward. What will happen when Glenn Johnson sort of loses legs? We've got Phil mm. Barsley, who's been really good this season. I think he's been the better of the two fullbacks. Yeah. But again, he's really old. Why are we not th- thinking? We've got sent, we've got fullbacks here that are going to be too old in a few seasons. Why are we not thinking to sign someone that can come in, maybe learn something from... I mean, Glenn Johnson, how many times has he played for England? How much experience could he share with a, a young fullback coming in? Why are we not using that? Why is that not happening? You see that at so many other clubs, but for some reason we're, we're just sort of thinking, oh, it'll be fine. We'll, we'll keep Eric Peters and Glenn Johnson sort of struggling a bit. Put them, put them out of their misery, misery Mark. Buy another fullback in this window, please. Sorry. What what about Mam Juf? <laughs> what about Mam Juf? I feel sorry there for the we... guy. I feel so sorry for Mam Juf. And, well, for a few other players as well. He He's another player that just puts a shift in and then he gets on the bench. He had a fantastic that fantastic cross into Peter Crouch yesterday, which really should have been a goal. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's vintage Peter Crouch. Everyone says... Oh, his best thing isn't even his heading. Yeah, because he so often misses chances with his header. Why? How has he missed that? Yeah. How has he got underneath that he's ball? Got a 50, he's got a 50p head, hasn't he? He's he's just massively inconsistent in terms of heading. Mm. I think Juve is... I, I agree with you. I, I feel really sorry for him at some times because he, despite going from striker to right back, he has somehow emerged as probably our best fullback this season and like he, he he still doesn't get the chances he ought to and I think you mentioned his cross that I think his crossings a really underrated attribute that um that gets overlooked when uh, people talk about Mamjouf he certainly, certainly would have offered more up front than either Walters or Berahino yesterday for my money um on that note uh, talking about the 442 uh, Samuel Crompton uh, messaged us to say Four four two, another wild, clueless stab in the dark from Hughes. A formation which has produced one goal from open play and forced our best player out of position. Fans lapping up the Chelsea display missed the bigger picture, as Hughes does every time he meddles with the formation and team selection. This is this is a common thread of this season, isn't it? We we have a system, we play it for a bit, we lose a few games, we panic, we go for another system. That maybe gets us 
a, a win here or there. That that system goes wrong, right? New system. Mm-hmm. Either Hughes does just still doesn't know what system he likes to play, or he he's got he's got too many balls in the air almost. He's he's trying he's trying to juggle systems when sort of basic looking at teams who play well tells you the teams who play well usually play to one kind of style of football. I wouldn't mind it if Mark Hughes sort of had a, a couple of systems, maybe three systems up his sleeve to be able to, right, we're playing Leicester this weekend, let's play four four two because it will work against them. But it's not like that. It's just, as you say, going through the different systems, hoping one of them will stick and, and not one has really sort of seemed to do the trick against everyone. And we've got the four four two. I think it's only going to work, um, responding to that message, it's only going to work if you've got sort of 11 players on the pitch that are really fighting for every single ball. You've got a bit of a creative spark in the midfield, where in the central midfield we really don't have that at the moment. Um, and yeah, we, we just don't have the right players to suit the system against a lesser side that are sort of so up for it now. I mean, I think we're a bit unlucky in how the, where the fixture has come because obviously we played them a couple of months ago. I think we're going to win away, but that's just the way the, the schedule works. You're going to play teams when they're in form and, and we have done and we have not given them given them anything to that performance and I would love to see four two three one. I know a lot of people sort of talk about what they what they think works, but I think that's the most consistent. It it suits what players we've got in our squad. Um, will we see it again this season? Probably not because we don't have a number ten anymore for some reason. It's it's ludicrous. Shall we go to Hughes night? Right. Um, we'll kick things off with the glorious return of Hughes night. Uh, with Chris's polls of the week. Chris, if you could uh, fetch up your polling data yes. in the wake of the Leicester game. I've and got them. Can you tell us tell us what the people at home are saying? Well, if you remember the from all polls of the last <laughs> last year, um, whether it be Brexit or Donald Trump or whatever, polls are infamously wrong. And so you'll be happy when I say that. Um, so three questions. First one, Mark Hughes, do you want him to be Stoke City manager? That's It's an open question. That doesn't mean necessarily do you want him sacked. Do you want him to be the Stoke City manager? Uh, three answers of yes, no or unsure. The no camp won with 41%, whereas 33% said yes and 26% said they were unsure. Now, it's, following on with the second question is, will Mark Hughes still be here next season? Um, 65% think yes. Now I don't know what that means. I don't. Does uh, uh, I think I think oh. that, that that sort of tells me that um, a lot of the people who want Hughes to go don't, don't think he will go <laughs> because they think um, pessimistic. Coach or coach will stand stand by his man. Um, I'm 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 not sure where I stand on Mark Hughes. To be perfectly honest. I have a lot of sympathy for the no camp and the, the Hughes out camp, and I don't think it's just like ungrateful so and sos on Twitter with their with their fifas and their um, <laughs> with their haircuts and whatever. <laughs> I, I, I think there is des- real problems that need to be addressed, mm. and I don't think it it's a case in the summer. I don't think it's even a case of overhauling the squad with Mark Hughes. I mm. think there's just Members of there's some deadwood he needs to get rid of. Mm-hmm. 
there's some players he needs to take tough decisions on, even if we might not like those decisions. Players like Mbula, players like Shakiri, players like Bojan. I think he just needs to buy just Premier League standard fullbacks for one thing. If he could start with that, I think that would go a long way to helping us out because I don't think our fullbacks are Premier League standard at the moment. So I'm I'm perfectly happy to give Mark Hughes uh, another season. Um, having said that, there's been so many games this season where I've just felt bleh. Mm-hmm, I've felt mm-hmm. nothing. I've just felt like, oh God, Stoke have played. Oh, we've lost. Oh, that's happened. You know, it's just complete. Yeah. We've been so beige this season yeah. Yeah. in terms of what what happened to us. The, fir- the first two seasons, our squad wasn't as good as it is now. But we played good stuff. We had Stephen Ireland linking up with Johnny Walters. We had uh, Victor Moses. We had the first season of Arnautovic. We were we had Odin Wingy when he when he was uh, fit. You know, we were playing decent stuff. We were playing high energy, good precise passing. Um, we looked like scoring goals. Now we don't. Even when we create good chances, we don't look like scoring goals because Peter bloody crouches on the end of him. <laughs> So yeah, uh, back to your poll. Sorry, Chris. No, no, just don't go on. I was just like, my point is always how many organisations can get away with spending over twenty million pounds and just leaving it to rot. I just find it incredible that that's all right. We're just like a lot of fans are forgetting that Mark Hughes is just buying a player and he's just sitting there doing nothing. How how is that work? It's so much money. I I would love to mm-hmm. I would love to hear an explanation for that. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think the. It always comes back whenever we, whenever anything like this happens, and you get Hughes out, blah blah blah. blah you always get the people. Yeah, well, who? But who would you have as a replacement? And I, and I, I kind of feel like this needs to be almost addressed. And this isn't getting at people who are like saying, you know, just be grateful for what Mark Hughes does. But the suggestion that we can't hope for better or even do better I find ludicrous the the idea that there isn't someone else out there and that Mark Hughes is the only person to be able to manage us is 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 madness because you're right David like this season I've not enjoyed watching Stoke apart from maybe the odd occasion which is probably more to do with the company at the match than the than watching Stoke play um this season and in fact the last 16 months since the end of last season it's been boring it's been turgid and I think the issue is we can do better like and and surely no one can deny we can do better this isn't us at our usual we we know we can play better than this and it's Mm. been going on for so long that and 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 the management doesn't seem to address it and so the idea that oh well who would you want to replace Mark Hughes? Because if you can't think of anyone, there clearly isn't anyone good enough. Of course there's going to be someone out there who's going to be better because that's just... It, it, it's surely logical. Like, there, I, I, yeah. went, I went on a rant yesterday on Twitter where I basically just listed several managers, some unrealistic, but some maybe not so, who, you know, they're out there and why the heck not? Um, uh, the idea that we can't even do better... Which leads me on to my third third question, which the, the the poll, which was, if Mark Hughes was were to go, would a British manager be expected as a replacement? Because I do feel that there's this maybe 
misunderstood interpretation that Peter Coates, should he get rid of Mark Hughes, will only go for a British manager because the last two managers were British and blah, blah, blah. I, I don't think that's a given. I really don't no. think that's a given and neither does 63%. But um, I don't know. Do you think it's a given that we would get a British manager? And if so, no, who? I, I, I don't think it's a given either, to be honest, because, um, like I said, I, I think Coates will stick with Hughes in the summer. But, um, yeah, th- those last two managers, it's way too small a sample size to, to judge any sort of trends about uh, Peter Coates from. And also, there's just a kind of, there's a dearth of English managers out there. And, you know, we could talk all day about why that is. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that if you're a Premier League club now, you've got very few good English options available to you. And it kind of would make sense to go abroad. Mm-hmm. Um Moving on then, uh, Ben Crompton Crompton asks on Twitter, as a team, what are we actually good at? Right, well, I spent a good few minutes staring at that question, sort of trying to work out in my mind where I'd go with this answer. I think we've got extremely good wingers. I think you can't look much further than Arnautovic and Sobby. I think we're going to talk about Shakiri in a bit, but Shakiri on his day is also fantastic, in my opinion. So I think we've got very good wingers. I think... Our youth setup has got much better than it used to be. I think that's a definite positive. We've got players like Ngoy trying to break through. We've got Suter. There are players there, and it, that makes me happy because it, I think it'd be great to see players coming up from the youth setup. Um, I think we've got a great goalkeeper in Butland, and Grant has been a fabulous signing. What a signing, obviously. And that is sort of a position that I'm very happy with for the next few years. Other than that, I think you're going to be struggling. Obviously, centre-backs, I think our first our first choice centre-backs are also very good when they're on their day. But then Shawcross sometimes looks like he's lacking a bit of pace. Maybe his age is catching up with him. I don't know if that's harsh on him. Um, but yeah, I'm happy with the, with the centre-backs as well. But other than that, it just... The system just doesn't work. We, we remind... I, Stoke remind me very much of watching England this season. It's a comparison I've made before how... We've got the players there, but the system doesn't work to make them to make them play together as a unit, and and that's exactly what you need. I'd I'd much prefer to not play the best team as long as or the best team on paper. I'm not sort of this FIFA player that that thinks that we can all just shove five strikers on and then it will work. Obviously, um, but we've got the players to suit a system, but we're just not using it, and I think that's the major downer. I think that's where all of our frustrations come from. Um, so that's my answer for what we're good at and then what we're bad at maybe as well. Well, I've got a top five <laughs> things we're bad at. If you I'd love to. Them. Number, one, we, number one, we don't score many goals because we don't have uh, probably a, a good enough striker at the moment. Maybe Berahino will come good soon, but we don't have a, a natural finisher in that team really. Um and number two related to the first one is we don't create enough chances. You know, we could put I, Lewandowski in our team at the moment and he probably wouldn't score that many. I think I think um, that's the main that's the main thing. Like I know you you're saying about Berahino that you you're worried about him, Dave, but when when you said that I decided to just pull up the Sado Berahino skills and goals HD twenty thirteen <laughs> to twenty fifteen video on YouTube. Like just to just because in, from my recollection he he most of his goals are in and around the box and we mm. don't do that. That's we don't yeah. create 
those chances. If you're looking for a player to fashion his own chances and try it, Arnautovic is your guy. Berahino is the person who's on the end of a move, and we don't do that. And so you're right, mm. you could put Lewandowski in that team, and he wouldn't score a goal. <laughs> Uh, number three, uh, we're we're weak at the we're weak at the back. I think largely due to our full backs rather than our centre backs. Although sometimes our centre backs do uh, throw the odd stinker in there as well. Um, four, big one, slow. We're too slow, as as I said before. We're just too slow all over the park. Uh, Demarai Gray is a good player. He's a decent player, but Lionel Messi he ain't. And he he in two games a season made us look like mugs. And it's Demarai Gray, lads. I know. I know he's he's going to be a good player, but we've got experience, and we're just totally te- petrified whenever we come up against anyone with any pace. And final one, we don't look like coming back into games. We we don't look like uh, when we go a goal down. My dad texts me the minute Indeed he <laughs> scored, said game over, mm-hmm. and he was right. He just. <laughs> Oh, well, how do you change um, that? How do you change that? First, yeah. They, how would you go about changing that we're not very good at coming back well, into the game? The others seem sort of there's there's an obvious way to remedy that, but first of all, I can't really explain why we've got a lack of motivation. So I don't really know what the underlying issue is that needs to be addressed on that front. It, if that comes from the manager, then maybe the uh, hues out uh, people have got a point that it, the the book stops with the management in terms of. Uh, fostering an attitude but also I think the way we set up means it's harder for us to come back uh, because of our lack of creativity on the pitch just being able to switch from a, 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 a counter-attacking position or a defensive mindset is a lot harder when the p- players you've already got on the pitch are set up 4-4-2 two holding midfielders basically uh, two kind of workhorses up front it's a lot harder to think, right, we're a goal down, we need to score now, when we haven't got players who can create things on a whim, you know. I know Arnautovic and Sobby can do that, but they're, they're very... In fact, they're, it's, hard, it's hard enough in the first place to get the bloody ball to him, mm-hmm. which, is, which is a source of frustration there. So, yeah, that, that's a, a major concern for me at the moment. Um Chris, uh, there were rumours online that there were uh, Hughes out chants at the ground. From what I've, I can ascertain from reading various accounts, it was a very, very small minority, and they were shouted down, and there was some arguing in the in the Stoke end. But obviously, this is the first time I've ever heard anything like that occurring. What can Hughes do between now and the end of the season to restore your faith in him? Um, say that he's leaving. Oh no, 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 no. That's again. I, I, I'm not. I. The the thing is, what I, what he needs to do, I feel, is just. <laughs> it sounds stupid, but just make <laughs> make us play well. Like I, I don't I don't know how he does it because because what what we need is to be playing that good looking football that we played Christmas 2015 um, I don't know how he does that because he's not going to put players like Gianelli and Bula in he's not it, 
I, I wish there was an easy way. Right, well, Mark Hughes, you need to now just make sure that Sado Berahino scores, yeah? Like, but how, how do you do that? I don't know what Mark Hughes can do apart from just get some good results. But it's complicated football management, isn't it? And I don't know how I don't know how he does that. Um, I suppose for, for if I if I for me personally to restore a bit of faith. I would switch back to uh, four two three one. I would play Berahino up top f- till the end of the season. I would get Shakiri fit and play a three behind Berahino. Whoa, well, he's, he's not a miracle worker. Come on. Yeah, well, <laughs> fair enough. In which case, uh, I would definitely I'd keep Sobby in the team. Now he 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 doesn't get dropped for me, and out of it neither. If Shakiri plays, I would be tempted to play Shakiri in that hole behind the striker. Uh, I would. I I want him to play Imbula, um, but accepting that, I would have Jeff Cameron in midfield, and. I don't know. I just show a little bit of intent. Try and get us it's, motivated it's a little bit. It's absolutely crazy how much we miss Jeff Cameron, isn't it? Oh, it's yeah. Like just, just I, I like Jeff Cameron, uh, and but but if we're being completely honest, Jeff Cameron is not a special midfield player. He's not anything like he he's not. Um, Sergio Busquets or anything is he he's not he, he's not incredible but he's so athletic and god doesn't it show when there's a bit of drive in that midfield um god imagine what we could do with a player who's who's really good with a bit of drive no, there's no point doing that mate I, I can I just say quickly um the the thing that would restore faith yeah. for me I think we've got a perfect opportunity now with a couple of sort of difficult games to pull off a landmark victory. We've said it before. We haven't done it yet still. We've got Liverpool at home. We've got Arsenal at home. We've got Burnley away, which for me is probably on a similar level to, to if we want the Liverpool-Arsenal game because they're doing so well at home and we're doing so badly away. So if we could just have a really fantastic couple of performances, something to shout about, something for us to come on this podcast and be literally sort of wet for an hour, um, that's what I want. And I'm not sure we're going to see it, but that would restore my faith that it's still there somewhere in that team. We're still quite good at football. We'll see. Other things from the week then. Um, Shakiri plays for Switzerland in the international break, comes back. Oh, he's not fit for Leicester. Ben, is it time to flog this uh, perpetual? I really shipment? don't want to say yes here. Um, I, I'm really scared of the fact that he's not injured and... He just doesn't want to play or there's been a, some sort of falling out. I think someone pointed out since that time where he got a bit angry when he got subbed off, um, he hasn't really featured at all. So it could be that there's just been something behind closed doors that we don't know about, which would make me really sad because he's another one of like a, a player that I love to see in a Stoke shirt. Very exciting. Um, but if it is injuries as well, then maybe it is. Like We can't rely on, we can't have our sort of star man or one of our star men not turning up every few weeks because of calves. Maybe he will not ever be that sort of fantastic level of footballer um, that we might have expected or maybe hoped for. Um, he's he's pulled off some great things for us, but it's just not been consistent enough for me. I don't think anyone can pretend that 
it's been a perfect marriage over the last couple of years. And if it is injuries, then yeah, I think we have to say goodbye. And, and if it's not injuries, then we're probably going to say goodbye anyway. So maybe maybe that's it. Maybe Shakiri is going to leave in the summer. Maybe Mbula is going to leave in the summer. Then I, we, are we going to start again with getting some, some star players, I guess? That's our two most expensive players there, I think, isn't it? So if if they're both yeah. going, it's going to be a lot more money spent in the summer. Chris, how are you uh, feeling about Shakiri at the moment? I don't want to say goodbye to him, Dave. I don't want him to go. Mm. I want him to stay and be that star signing that we that we all hope for. Unfortunately, it's getting to a stage where you do just feel like you're never going to see him again. Um, whether that be because he's got no <laughs> legs or because he's um, fallen out with with the management, I still I still cling to the hope that actually, you know, we can. I don't know, get him fit and get him playing. But maybe that's just stupidity on my part. Um, he's he's clearly got some issues with his calves, and I don't know. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> maybe we should. Like, I don't know. I I. I think the the saddest thing for me would be if if we do sell Shakiri that that does really symbolise um, the end of of a of a dream, doesn't it? Because he was that oh my god we've signed Jordan Shakiri he was that star player and and it hasn't worked out we've had some good moments but um, yeah like more often than not he's not played. Mm. I hope that we see him before the end of the season and that he proves a point. And so that we don't get rid of him. I, I I don't want him to go, but I completely understand those who say we should get rid of him. Uh, shall we move on to more positive news? Um, and that is that Julian Ngoy has won the Premier League 2 Player Hooray. of the Month Award. Yeah. It's just, it's just uh, his, his, fr- his stock is rising. Uh, the the more stoked he badly and the the better he does the under twenty threes the more you think <laughs> yeah we were right all along bloody deploy him He's, the thing is if he can continue doing that at the under twenty threes why not why can't we start next season with him as our main focal point striker that's what I'm going to say I would love to see that develop develop some youth just whack them in oh wait we've just bought Berahino who plays in his position but it would be fantastic to see maybe. Hughes will sort of give up on Berahino as quickly as he gave up on Imbula and it will be Ngoy's time to shine and I wouldn't be disappointed if that happened. But you know what's going to happen there? He's going to start three games, not score and then he's going to be immediately dropped and forgotten about and discarded. Uh, like I thought we were like moving so on some positive news. No, no. But, but, <laughs> yes, I know. Um, sorry. Um, well, well done, Julian, is what we wanted to say. Yes. Congratulations, uh, thoroughly deserved. He's uh, scoring goals. He's uh, he's playing well. I've enjoyed his introduction to Twitter. He's uh, yeah, it's just everything's coming up, Julian, at the moment. Uh, on that note, on uh, on the subject of youth, uh, I believe it's our youth cup semi final second leg on Monday. Miracles can happen, guys. You never know. Uh, but regardless of uh, our prospects. Um, Please, if you can, uh, get down to the Bet365 to support the lads because I think they really deserve it after getting this far in the competition. And uh, I think it would just be a brilliant uh, show of solidarity with the young players if they they could get a 
good crowd in for the second leg against Man City uh, on Monday night. It's it's free free admission, so uh, if you're if you're a local and you've got nothing to do on Monday night, go on, uh, get down there. You'll see a good standard of football from uh, really good young players. So yeah, go ahead, go enjoy that. Uh, let's have Oatcake Thread of the Week. Okay, so this week's Oatcake Thread of the Week uh, was just something that made me smile. Um, it's it's not like a, a a really angry or divisive thread. It's just a, a, a an original post that just made me kind of just like oh, um, this is from a, a poster called Duckling. He says, "Hello." I've decided to increase my familiarity with English football by following one or two different clubs every season as a neutral. Last season, I started by following Chelsea. I joined a message board, watched their games, read news stories about them, etc. While I started as neutral, I ended up liking the people, the team and the fans I interacted with as soon as Mourinho left. I had heard some things about their fans, but found the people on that forum to be classy for the most part. I even fell into the habit of referring to the team as we. This season, I started following Tottenham. I had enjoyed watching their games last season and was looking forward to learning more about the club. Big mistake. I joined one message board, but rarely posted as it became clear that the members were insufferable. I switched to another forum and they were even worse. They're my least favourite team now. <laughs> so I stopped following them and began to lurk on this as and a few other message boards and have decided to follow Stoke next season and perhaps one other club. <laughs> Through lurking here, reading old threads, reading some articles and watching some games, I've come to learn a bit about the club and I look forward to learning more. I'm also looking forward to learning more about the Stoke on Trent area. I'm a hobbyist potter and already know about the pottery <laughs> industry. Truth be told, much of what I've read about the city in present times has been unflattering, but they were not <laughs> written by people in the area. Perhaps you can also recommend an English club outside the Premier League to follow and recommend how best to do it. I read about Burton's dramatic rise to the Championship and tried to follow them, but it's so hard to do from overseas because the Premier League gets all the attention. I switched to following Newcastle because I figured they would be easy to follow, but it's been much more challenging than I anticipated. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> what a story. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's just... Oh, bless him. And did yeah. he get a good response? Um, I think... I think... He got as good a response as could be expected by t- uh, introducing yourself as an American ex-Chelsea, ex-Tottenham fan um, <laughs> <laughs> that picks a different team every season. Um, uh, perhaps not the best example of an American uh, football supporter there, but, you know, he's enthusiastic at least. And uh, can I say, Duckling, you've picked the right season, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll start listening to the podcast. Come on, Duckling. Yes. Let, let's get him on. He's watching next season, to be fair. So next season, it'll be even better. Yes. Uh, could you recommend any uh, non-Premier League teams for, for Duckling to follow? I mean, bear in mind his difficulties uh, following Burton. Um, yeah, he should follow uh, Barnsley. Right. What, what yep. What's in Barnsley for an American? Um, they've got the Metrodome. Right, <laughs> the Barnsley. 
and they've <laughs> that, got... that sounds American. <laughs> it does, exactly. It does. And uh, yesterday they played Sheffield Wednesday, and they. Uh, if you, I don't know if you follow Barnsley, gentlemen, but they sold their striker Sam Winnell to Wednesday in the tran- January transfer window. And if you remember back when Luis Figo went to Real Madrid, Barcelona <laughs> yes. fans threw a pig's head on the pitch, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. What did. did the Barnsley fans throw on the pitch yesterday? A Pepe pig toy. <laughs> so, so that's what you need to. Yeah. So, yeah. Follow them. I, because... I saw that picture and didn't have a clue what was going on. So <laughs> yeah. thank you for, for enlightening me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it gets hostile at Oakwell, doesn't it? It does. Throwing children's TV cuddly toys on the pitch. Right. I mean, yeah, bless him. That's really good for him, though. I mean, it's nice that he's taking an interest. Um, I, hope, I hope that no one abuses him on the oat cake for it, but... Uh, shall we shall we move on to our listener question? Sounds okay, good to me. Yay. Um, <laughs> so, this week our listener question is as follows. After a pretty poor likeness of Cristiano Ronaldo was revealed this week, are there any moments from Stoke City history you would like to see immortalised as a statue? Um, Harry Adley says he'd like to see Carlo Nash in TK Maxx as a statue. <laughs> <laughs> That is, that is very Jamie meta. Ch- I'm, a, yeah. I'm a big fan. So meta. <laughs> Jamie Chatfield says a naked Tony Pulis headbutting James Beattie in the away dressing room at the Emirates. <laughs> Why? Why is that... Tony Pulis naked? Was Tony no, no. Pulis? Yeah, when was... he headbutted Beattie, he was naked. I thought. Famously. I thought. Be- oh, was he? I thought Beattie was that okay. <laughs> I'm imagining. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining I'm, that I'm one is it all wrong. <laughs> I'm imagining it as a sort of like a Greek um, yes. statue with the with the little penis there as well. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm picturing it like that one. You, you, do you remember they, that artist did a statue of Zidane headbutting uh, mm. in his last night? It's like that, but yeah. Oh god, why um, was te- oh why was he naked? Oh. <laughs> I can't believe this has just been revealed to you. <laughs> Well, no, because in my head, I, like in, in my head, you had James, James Beatty's Be- penis. James Beatty was naked because he was in the shower, and Tony had come in. He was no. like, in, he he was in his like tracksuit, and he went and stood in the shower, getting drenched, like a scene from a film, like right in Beatty's face. And Beatty's like, Tony, I'm like, I'm 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 trying to get a wash here, and Tony's like, Does this make you uncomfortable? Does it? <laughs> but and then he headbutts him. That's it, what happened in my head. It's the film Psycho when when the woman is in the shower and and the, and the thing comes <laughs> yeah. in. Oh uh, yeah, Tony Pulis like peering his head around the shower oh, door. In my head, it's much more like a prison beating. That <laughs> <laughs> oh. was an odd little detour, wasn't it? Uh, Sam Hill says Suleimanu Lare's R should be immortalised. Very, uh, <laughs> very below the belt. These statue suggestions, aren't they? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I agree. Uh, Charlie Bester says Jerry Taggart grabbing Dennis Wise by the throat. Actually, that <laughs> top idea. Uh, Oscar says the Tel Aviv boot kick. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, I, I'd have that just by the by the touchline by where it yeah. happened. Or like a little plaque at least, just saying the the funniest thing that ever happened happened here. Um, <laughs> and Zach also suggests the Pulis naked headbutt, or 
Josselu hugging Clattenburg. Oh yeah, nice. yeah, that'd be quite a nice statue. It would be, it would be sort of like a, a memoriam of of Hosselu, so we can go there and look at it and cry, I guess, at what wasn't. So, chaps, what are your uh, new statue suggestions? I'll order in the marble now, but uh, what do you want to see uh, at the Bet Three Six Five or elsewhere? Mine is very, very niche, but it's a moment that's sort of been <laughs> immortalised in my on the Wizards of Dribble <laughs> podcast. I won't have it. It's been immortalised in my memory and it's another one where I was quite young and I don't have really a clue of what game it was and I didn't do any research into finding out what game it was but it was an, and it was kind of inspired by um, Charlie Bester bringing up Jerry Taggart because mine is Jerry Taggart as well and it just as a young football fan it made me laugh a lot and it was a moment that I thought, of, thought, thought about for the entire car journey and, and really ever since as to how it how it happened really but there was a moment where Jerry Taggart sort of fell off the pitch alongside the ball and the ball sort of was next to him and instead of sort of picking up the ball getting up and taking the throw he took the throw while sitting down on his bum um, and he and he just took the throw <laughs> like that and, and the referee let it happen and I found it hilarious I don't remember this no, yeah, it's 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 there I mean, I can't have made that up you, you just can't write stories like that um, and... Yeah, it's just forever been in my mind and I want other people to know about that story. And and why did the ref let it happen? That's a, that's a foul throw. Is is it? Do you mm. have to be do you have to be stood up to take a throw? Both, both feet on the floor, I think, is the is the law. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, if you're sat down with both feet on the floor, is that is that not allowed? Cuz I I'm thinking this could well, be an ingenious new tactic to uh, bamboozle opposition cuz when you take short throwings now, you 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 want it to land at players' feet, and it's would it yeah. be easier to do that if you if you sat down? Well, yeah, maybe Jerry Taggart, sort of, yeah, new wave footballer. He's he's sort of an, an innovator of his time, you could say. Um, if anyone knows the game that it was, if anyone sort of remembers that, then please do get in touch with me, so we can sort of put that on the placard. That'd be great. Um, uh, Chris, any yes. any Stoke statues that you'd like to see? Not a Stoke statue, but um, <laughs> a Barnsley but, one you, <laughs> for the Metro. No, no, but you, 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 are you, you're a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, well, are you, you're aware that um, Atletico Madrid are leaving the Estadio Vincent Calderon. I hope I said mm-hmm. that right. This this season, they're moving grounds, um, and I think you know a new stadium deserves statues of old heroes, and and who better? to have outside the new ground than a picture of Atletico Madrid homeboy and legend Fernando Torres <laughs> dressed as Legolas from Lord of the Rings. Goodness me, we're going back again. Yeah. <laughs> we mentioned on the last episode that Fernando Torres was a massive Lord of the Rings fan. Someone got in touch with me and said uh, it was Jonathan Wilson on a Blizzard podcast who had a, a conversation with him about like the imagery of Shelob in Lord of the Rings and that's what they were, sp- they were speaking about it was like quite in-depth lit- literary criticism oh, that you oh. might not expect from a footballer and talking about oh, Tolkien's uh, fear of spiders and what what it represents to Frodo and all this stuff it was amazing oh, so yeah Fernando Torres is like a lass um, <laughs> go on then Dave I would I would say that um, this also isn't technically a Stoke statue but uh, I would have uh, a statue of three Port Vale fullbacks, uh, and I would position it uh, sort of behind uh, the Stanley Matthews statue, 
uh, perhaps just over the road or immediately behind. And I'd have three Port Vale fullbacks uh, looking confused. So for eternity, Stanley Matthews with his statue in front of it. <laughs> and if you stand in front of it, it looks like for eternity, Stanley Matthews is bamboozling the uh, Port Vale fullbacks. Very good. F- f- uh, f- uh, wow. Throughout time. A perspective uh, statue. That is that is really well thought yeah. out, Dave. I, I didn't think we were that good at thinking here on the Wizards of Football. <laughs> Alternatively, I'd have a, a bronze football stuck to the roof of the Boothen End in memoriam of Kevin Harper's penalty against Sheffield Wednesday <laughs> in 2005, I believe it was, um, that Harry Arter's penalty for Bournemouth reminded me of, where it just kept rising and rising and rising. <laughs> So yeah, um, I think that's it from us. Uh, obviously, check out uh, com where you will find details of our Patreon page. Now, uh, give that uh, latest blog a read because it explains what Patreon is, uh, why we're doing it, and uh, why we'd like your support, basically, and also what you get out of it. Um, so yeah, please have a read up of that uh, and. If you have any questions about that or the podcast in general, it's uh, email us, wizardsofdrivelpodcast at gmail.com, facebook.com slash wizardsofdrivel, and tweet at wizardsofdrivel as well. Um, I'm off to Turf Moor during the week, and then after the Liverpool game on Saturday, we're off to Manchester. It's our 50th episode. So we'll bring some cake and beer and balloons and uh, hopefully we'll have a lot to celebrate uh, certainly more than we did this week thank you very much Ben thank you Dave I can't wait for that cake are you baking it? no oh. there we go still can't <laughs> wait <laughs> Chris thank you very much for joining me thank you Dave for indulging my rants no problem uh, but if but if uh, if you're not invited on next week uh it's because the Hughes in listeners have complained too much. Yeah, uh, of course. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Onwards and upwards. Go on, Stoke.